Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. This is Entertainment Life on the Sasha Marina Show, a show about the entertainment and music industry, where you get to hear from the top and up-and-coming stars, from amateurs to professionals. They're all just working hard for success. This show is to give those the opportunity to speak about their talents and what they're doing to succeed in their dreams. And now, here's your host, Sasha Marina. Hello, hello, everyone. Uh, good morning and good afternoon to some. Um... This is your host, Sasha Marina, and you're tuned into the Sasha Marina Show. Today I have a very cool guest. He goes by the name of Carl Lindbergh. He is the creator, the man behind the Bunny Massacre. Um, if you guys have not uh, heard of this, uh, I guess, franchise, it is, it's, a, it's literally a bunny massacre. Not that the guy is massacring bunnies. It's just a bunny doing all the massacre. And it's very um, – I, got the, I, got, I had the pleasure to see uh, the latest film, um, yes, because there's more than one part, obviously. And it, I, I was kind of shocked because I, was, I, I didn't know what to expect. You know, you just see this, this bunny suit dude and, and a chainsaw, and I'm like, you know, this, like how ironic. You're going to choose, like, the cutest animal on earth to do all this killing. So um, definitely there's a lot to ask Carl and why his choice of, of animal, I guess, for one and, uh, and so forth. So without further ado, I'm going to have Carl live on the air. Hello, Carl. How are you? Hello. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Fine. So, uh, hello. Uh, so, tell us more about the, I guess, the whole franchise and why you wanted to create the Bunny Man franchise, the Bunny Man Massacre. Well, I, I think kind of what you touched on a little bit was just that it was just a unique and different approach to something in the horror genre, and it wasn't something people could really expect or know what to expect from one of these films. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of the whole reason for being, is just to try to do something unique and different. Um, and I, I'm sure when you watch part two, when you see the bunny, bunny man on the school bus, then you kind of realize that these filmmakers are doing something a little different. Yeah. No, and, and, and after... Um well, obviously, I, I haven't seen the first, but I, I saw this one. And um, like I did mention, yes, it was a little bit of a shock because, like, in the first scene, you're like, okay, well, you know, what's going on? And then all of a sudden it gets ugly. And then <laughs> but as you progress in the film, it kind of, the the attention kind of turns away. It's like 50-50 for this Bunny Man because I kind of start feeling bad for him at some point, you know, uh, because of, of, of the other character that's kind of running him. But, um... So yeah, I find that it's very interesting, and it's not—I'm not a horror fanatic, but um, I guess this one has something else that you know that can cater to other people. So, you 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 created a um, a production company called uh, No One Cares. 
why why that name for your production company? Well, I'm a you know I have a as you've seen in the films I kind of have a dark sense of humor and so that yeah. kind of goes along with everything I do in life and you know usually you see a production company name in the beginning of a movie and I really think 99% of the people just don't care who what company is making the movie so I just kind of <laughs> called everyone out on it including myself and that's where the name came from and that's I guess I'm kind of stuck with it now. Yeah, it it, it kind of is true because you see the production, you, you know, you see their, some of them have nice intros, some of them just have their logo, uh, and then you're like, okay, some of them you haven't heard, and obviously the ones that you have heard, they're they're big, uh, they're big Hollywood flicks. So um, I thought that was definitely creative. You know, what what was your feedback with the first Bunny Man uh, film that actually? you know, gave you the inspiration to continue on the franchise? Uh, It was a mixed reaction. I think basically I make the decisions of what films I want to make based on my own personal interests, but I felt as though getting feedback from part one, um, it kind of reinforced the idea that I could have done it better. And so Mm -hmm. then I kind of took the lessons I learned from part one and what I failed at, and then I tried to... uh, change that and, and become successful with part two. So that's why um, it's more emphasis on the the bad guys this time around and, you know, the the victims are not, they're just kind of there just as an excuse for the the villains to do something. But it, it really centers on the more interesting characters, which were Bunny Man and, and the bad people as opposed to random teenagers that get killed. Yeah, so that was... Yeah. That was inspiration, basically, with two, is take what worked from part one and then flip it around, and hopefully part two will be a much better film, which it seems as though it's it's more warmly received, so. Okay. And uh, has this film done a, a festival run yet, or are you just, did you just release the DVD? How is um how is the process right now with the money, uh, Bunny Man? Um, yeah, it's... Uh, it's been airing on the Chiller channel in the U.S. Uh, for the last month or so, and then it comes out domestically in the U.S. in, in mid-August. And then I know it just came out in the U.K., I believe, a week ago. So it's it's getting rolled out slowly in, in different territories. I've never been a filmmaker to go through the festivals. I've just gone straight to distributors. Okay. So um, I've just felt the festival route is just going to take years, and there's no guarantees with that. So um, I felt like, you know, Schiller keeps airing the Bunny Man film, so, you know, and there's millions of people that can see that, and that's way more than if I go to some random festival in the Midwest with 10 people in the audience. That's so true. I felt this for brand awareness and building the franchise, because we just finished part three. We just wrapped it a week ago. So, oh, wow. You know, I, that's really yeah. <laughs> Thank you. So um, you haven't seen The Last of Bunny Man, that's for sure. Okay, perfect. So obviously your feedback, uh, the feedback you've been receiving with these movies has been, uh, you know, motivating enough to continue on the franchise. And um, and I thought that was an interesting fact that you just mentioned that sometimes, you, I guess you really have to weigh how important a festival run is for your film and how much more important, um, you know, distribution is or just having more people see your film. And and you're right. I, 
I guess some, you know, you see more, the festival runs more with, with short films. Um, it's much more difficult to see it with feature films unless it's big festivals. So um, I guess I do understand your, your point of view. And at the end of the day, it's, it's more for recognition rather than um, a big audience of people seeing a film. So I'm sure you've had your experience with that. Um, we're speaking a lot about The Bunny Man, but uh, you are currently in production with other films. Obviously, you just mentioned The Bunny Man 3. Uh, there's also uh, Blood Angel. Uh, what, can you give a little insight about, um, I guess, your position in those movies? Yeah. Um, Bloody Man 3 came about because part two, I was more successful mm-hmm. at it, and I felt like there was a little bit more story to tell, and there wasn't mm-hmm. a really a history or backstory on the Bunny Man character, so I felt that, and then I, I got some uh, access to some really interesting locations, so that kind of just pushed me forward with part three. Um, but then, um, having just wrapped part three, I feel like I've done everything I can with the giant bunny. Maybe mm-hmm. it just took me three movies. <laughs> yeah, it took me three movies to get it out of my system, but I feel as though I've kind of, you know, gone through this territory and, and done everything. I have every. I've said everything I want to say with that film, so... Um, next up is Blood Angel, and that's just a different aesthetic. That's very, you know, Bunny Man films are very textures chainsaw horror, dirty, Midwest kind of just grungy type films. And so, Blood Angel is a very like sleek, film noir, sexy, violent. It's still within the horror genre, but it's a very different aesthetic. All filmed at night, rainy. Um, so it's, it's even though it's within the horror genre, it's a complete 180 from uh, Bunny Man. So that's next, but I I'm I'm still recuperating after a week of after finishing the film. I'm still I'm fried mentally, so it's kind of hard to jump into the pool with both feet with Blood Angel. But that'll be next year for sure. Well, I bet. I mean, you really haven't had a break from the series. I mean, the first Bunny Man released in uh, 2011. I mean, it's only been about four years, technically. And um, and you just, you know, you just finished wrapping up the the, the franchise, so the series. So um, I'm sure that in between writing, w- would you write each script after the one movie, or was it something that you had already had written out um, before you began productions of the three parts? Uh, well, usually a lot of uh, inspiration of each Bunny Man film is doing, not only improving what I failed at the first time, but um, mm-hmm. things that I never got around to filming the, the previous movie I'd throw into the next movie. So there was uh, quite a lot of stuff that I wanted to do in two that I never did. So that got thrown into part three. And then I and then I was uh, I found some locations that were interesting. So then I kind of just wrote the script around what the it was available to me. Mm-hmm. So um, that's kind of how it came about, was just this is the location. We've got three weeks to shoot here. What kind of story can you tell? So that's how it came about. Um, but, yeah, inspiration comes at any moment, watching something, and then I start taking notes, and then I obsess over it, and then those notes form into a treatment, and then that forms into the script. So I never quite know where the next idea is coming from, but... They're always in my head. (laughs) 
Well, as a creative person, I bet it's something that you can't even help. And I bet that idea is just fly at you and, and you get the, the urge to write it down or get a wild idea. Um, what is, what sometimes uh, I find, you know, I'm just, um, when you choose an actor for, for this sort of genre, there's, is there a certain quality that you always look for, uh, whether it be in their acting technique or, or physique or anything like that, uh, you know, to be a part of these kind of films? So uh, the phone was breaking up. What was that? Was is there any specific things I look yes. after, or yes, is there any like uh, you know things specific things that you look in a in a you look for in an actor's technique or physique to be part of these uh, to be part of this horror genre? Because you know not not everybody is, is great with horror, you know, especially actors. So um, what is what is that one thing that you look for, or you know, multiple things? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost is their acting ability. Do I, when I give them sides, do I believe that those sides, do I believe in their emotions, what they're trying to convey? So that's first and foremost. The second is I tell everyone in the casting process that we're filming in hot conditions, dirty, spiders, very little sleep. It's like we're really, really roughing it. And so I want to make sure that the actors are, team players and will work hard and view this as an opportunity to show their worth to millions of people. And so that was, has always been my criteria, are people easy to work with? And uh, Bunny Man 3, we wrapped, but we had one actor who quit the second no. week. And, and then he tried to blackmail us for thousands of dollars to come back. So that was obviously... Someone vouched for him, so I thought he was cool. You know, I thought he he was an honest person, but it takes a real dick to to try to blackmail production with 20 people working on a film for the last six months, and this actor just decided to try to shake us down. So we 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 didn't we didn't uh, you know we didn't negotiate with a terrorist, so to speak. We we just kind of changed the script a little, and honestly, I think we're better for it. But that does happen where um, – am I allowed to curse on this on this show or not? If you can find an alternative word, it would be better. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, sometimes you have idiots that yeah. come along, and unfortunately we came across uh, an idiot. And so, uh, yeah. you know, we're better for it having gone through it, because, but it's still – going forward from now on, I really need to make sure that we only work with honest people that have good work ethic and not someone who's trying to uh, just be an ass, basically. Yeah. You know, and and think about it, like you said, you're better off without it because now, you know, you just killed off the dude. You just kill him off. (laughs) It's easier that way, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, we we could have paid him, and then the next week he could have tried to get more money. So we only had to reshoot one scene, actually. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't a huge issue, but you know, it was just okay. This person's bad news. How do we get out of it? And so that was it. So uh, you know, that is one of the production goes through many difficult stages, um, and sometimes dealing with with the cast is is one of them. 
has that been like the only, um, I guess, like very difficult, not difficult position, but very frustrating position as, you know, as a director and a producer of the film that you've been put in um, in this franchise? With, that, with actors? Mm-hmm. Oh, other production issues other than this last issue? Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah, the, the original Bunny Man, we had rented some film equipment, and then the guy said up and down, left and right, that it worked. And so when we got it and we were shooting, and then on the weekend up in the mountains, it broke down on us. And so we lost oh. a couple of days of filming, and we had to find another... Uh, alternative route to to finish the film with a different camera so you know we've had camera break uh, equipment breakdown on us so you know every film there's you know people are uh, i shoot in riverside so it's a little bit outside of la county so it's a little easier to deal with permits and stuff but you still get you know you still get harassed about film permits and people now, ironically, people are recognizing Bunny Man. So when we're trying to film, we have people coming up and talking to us about Bunny Man. So that is a good problem to have. But, you know, there's always, every day there's some kind of challenge that are, is unforeseen. Definitely. And now that you, you mentioned that, you do shoot there in Riverside. Um, it, I, I guess that when you were saying that it gets hot and dirty, that's that's one of them. What about this bunny suit? Is this the same suit that you've been using since uh, the first movie? Uh, is what I oh, I heard the last part something about the, suit, is this, the bunny man suit. Is this, yeah, the bunny man suit. Is this the same suit you've been using since the first part of the movie? Yeah. No, we. The first one, I was worried about continuity, so I always wanted uh-huh. the suit completely white and clean, and then it looked cheesy. So then <laughs> by part two, when that came around, it got very dirty. And I'm like, okay, well, this is the way to go. So continuity sake, it's always dirty. And then part three, as the years go by, it's just the costume's falling apart. It's getting dirty. Blood is inevitably getting sprayed on it. It's left in storage for a year or two yeah. between films. So it's – and I refuse to wash it. Um, so it's, it is the same suit. Um, I don't, you know, even if it started falling apart, we would probably stitch it together and keep using it just because aesthetically it looks better, dirty and warm. Um, but yeah, some, the gloves are disintegrating and so we'll probably have to get new gloves by the next time. But, um, yeah, it's the same suit and there's only one suit, so. Well, that, that's def- definitely creative because you're right. Because, I mean, in, in real life, you know, if there, if there is or was a, a bunny man, I doubt that he would really take the time to watch his suit every night after he does a killing spree. <laughs> so uh, I guess leaving the whole filthy aspect of the suit really does give it uh, a touch to the character. Is there um, is there anything else that you'd like to mention, you know, um, perhaps to other fellow filmmakers that, that go that have gone through the certain hardships that you've gone through or or just you know any words of advice that you would really say to an upcoming filmmaker um even if it's of the horror genre yeah i I think there's a couple actually um <laughs> the first being that just make your movie with whatever means you have uh I'm talking as a producer now that 
there's a lot of people I run across that are producers, and they say, well, I'm going to make a movie, and I'm trying to raise hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I, mm-hmm. they, and then years go by, and they're still looking for that money. And I think they fail to realize that, and especially with the Buddy Man films, is I don't wait until I have a magical number that I've randomly pulled out of my ass to, to make a film. I make a movie with the means I have. And so if you're aspiring to make a movie, if you've got 10 bucks, well, you make a movie with 10 bucks. Like you don't, you're going to, if you have this arbitrary number, that this budget that you need or to make a movie, it's like you're never going to get it. The conditions are never going to be ideal. You're never going to have enough money. And I think that's true for even the biggest of films. Like you can always use more time. You can always use more money. So I think, as cliche as it is, it's like you just do it. You just make a movie. If this is what you have, then this is how you make it. And, you know, God knows Buddy Man would have been better if I had more money, but, you know, if I, I mean, as using the mythology of most people, like I'd still be waiting for money to make that movie now if I hadn't just gone and done it. And now I have three films under my belt in the franchise. So just make the movie with whatever means you have. As I think that's the main uh, thing I can impress on, on aspiring filmmakers is just do it, go out and do it. You know, um, and more and more I see uh, director producers, um, especially you know independent filmmakers, um, because of that. Because you know, it's, it's most most have to come out of pocket and they can't. You know, and it's hard. And, and it, there's so many fundraisers, and, and every production wants to do their Indiegogo or. Fund me or whatever these upcoming funding websites are, you know. So uh, it's hard to even, you know, get the full support of the public or of your followers and stuff like that. So I, I do see more and more director producers. Um, I'm not sure if everybody can handle that pressure, though, you know. But obviously, you've done a great job at it, and um, I'm sure you have a, you know, a great team in your production company. But um, oh yes, that was one thing I a little bit of advice is that, you know, uh, with filmmakers and maybe this is just what I've gone through, but I just came off of a month to shoot and, you know, it's going to, it's very, very hard mentally and physically. And, you know, you have, even if you have only 12 hour days, the rest of the, the day, every waking moment is consumed by making the film. And then you have maybe four or five hours of sleep at night. So, mm-hmm the whole filmmaking process is like, it's going to try to break you. Like it'll chew you up and spit you out and try to like basically make you want to throw up your arms and quit. Like it's very, very hard. It's just survival mode. It's going to war. It's like, it sucks and you just pull up your boots and you just get through it. And so I think a lot of people need to realize that this is not fun summer camp you get to go relax and be creative. It's like that's 1%. The rest of it is full-on war, and you have to... Every day, someone's trying to shut you down. Every day, it feels like the world and the weight is on your shoulders, and they're just trying to be against you to make a movie. So you just need to push hard and push through it and get the movie made. So I think that needs to be really impounded on people's heads that if you take this lightly and you think this is just fun, oh, I'm going to go make a movie... You're gonna. It's gonna end really badly for you. You need to go and prepare it and have contingency plans and know everything is gonna go wrong, and you need to be calm and collected and how have plan Bs and try to work around stuff. So try to go on that tangent, but movie making is hard, and you have to realize that too. 
Yeah, definitely. And and something as, as it's not, I mean, you know, it's big and small. Like this past um, thing that you had with an actor wanting to back more production. I mean, and, and you guys, I mean, if, I don't know if it's how long it took you, but you, you pretty much thought on your feet. You were like, well, what's, what's the best route that we can take? And, you know, and you took care of it. You weren't going to stop out of production for a month because a guy is blackmailing you, you know? You got to think fast. So, um, yeah, no, yeah. I mean, I was just more determined to make a better film than make him suffer for pulling out. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, it only motivates me to do better. It doesn't really scare me in any way. <laughs> well, I hope not, because you're, you're a horror flick genius, so um, <laughs> I hope it doesn't scare you. Um, can you tell or tell us where we can find your, your films? If, you know, the first one, I'm, I'm not sure if it's still available on DVD. This one that will be coming out, the second part that will be coming out in uh, August, where can people find it or buy it or watch it? Yeah, I, well, with Burning Man 2, I, um, I'm still getting back to the real world after filming. So from what I've been told, you can add Bunny Man to Netflix, Bunny Man 2. And then Bunny, uh, Bunny Man Massacre, Bunny Man 2 is the same movie, but we just called it Bunny Man Massacre. So you can okay. add it to your Netflix queue. You can go on Amazon and buy it. You can watch it on Chiller Channel right now. Although, you know, Chiller Channel has 20 minutes cut out to all the gore. And then it has, I think, there's probably about a couple hours of extras on the DVD. So it is worth trying to track down for the extras um, if you really want to learn about how, what it's like to make an indie horror film with a very small crew in a very uh, short uh, time span. All the extra, I, I put the extras on there to kind of show you what it's like to make a film of this nature and the challenges of doing it and some of the problems we ran into. So... Um, if you're in Europe, it's out now on DVD, um, U.S. next month on Netflix or Amazon. Or, of course, I encourage you to buy it. So, Of course, that, that, that'd be great. And you guys do have a Facebook page, too, where um, I see that you, you've kept updated even with, um, with the Bunny Man 3 and, and, and Blood Angel. You, you're really up to date with your Facebook page. Oh, yeah, no, thank you. Yeah, we you can always follow us on Facebook and add us and like us, and those are updated way more than... And I do have a website, A-N-O-C Productions, A-N-O-C Productions.com, and uh, you can find out more information on that, although it's not as updated as Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, Carl, I'd like to thank you so much for your time today. I, I appreciate it. Thank you for those in, for that insight, you know, and and your tips, and it's, and it's very important. And I know you're a busy man, but any time you come across a filmmaker, you know, um, it's cool to, like, give them the heads up and certain things, even though some people don't don't listen because um, I've been there, done that, you know, they ask for advice and they still do whatever they want. But um, <laughs> it's it's good to uh, to give your advice and your experiences. Well, yeah, I mean, if they don't listen, I mean, they're going to learn the hard way. So it's, it's I've always found it to be listen to people who've been through this before and kind of take their advice and kind of learn from their mistakes as opposed mm-hmm. to make your own. But, yeah, no, it's, I'm still learning. So I, I don't, I, I'll be the first to admit I don't know much, but what I do know, I'm, I'm able to make movies. So. That's great. That's great. So uh, once again, Carl, uh, thank you for your time. I wish you much continued success with the series and your upcoming Blood Angel. Thank you very much. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. 
So that was Carl Lindbergh. Um, he is a director, producer, uh, mostly known for the Bunny Man Massacre. It's a series of Now You Heard It three films, uh, one which, well, the second, which was, is going to be released in the U.S. August, in August, mid-August, he said, I think. And uh, the third, they just wrapped. So Lord knows we'll probably see that next year. And um, Blood Angel is coming up. Horror genre thing, but um, with a little twist and sexy stuff and blood, I bet. So there you have it. Make sure to keep up with us through the Sasha Marina Show.com or Facebook, uh, the Sasha Marina Show. Also, uh, Twitter and Instagram. Um, mostly on Twitter and Instagram, it's more of my stuff or mix my double life, <laughs> and uh, make sure to download that app, uh, The Sasha Marina Show, on Google Play and Google Play and BlackBerry World, of course. So uh, thank you, and bye-bye.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com slash audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com slash audio. That's carshield.com slash audio.